don't want empty shelves. They always have food there. They have way more food than anyone could possibly buy. So this inevitably causes food waste. The accountability of that returned food waste from the retailer goes back to the producers or to the farmers. Hello and welcome to Rethink What Matters, the podcast dedicated to aligning the economy with the ecology and everyone for improved business performance, stronger families and a greener, cooler planet. And today I'm joined by Matthew Uniman, Food Sustainability Manager at Compassion in World Farming. And we're going to be discussing food waste recovery. Great stuff, great stuff. And, you know, I I came to you through your Embrace the Waste TED Talk. Could you tell us a little bit about your journey then that brought you to Embrace the Waste? I'll give you two versions. I'll give you the one I told people and the BBC and whatnot when I had the interview, and then also the, the truth. Okay, we get the exclusive. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> the version that I, I I tell is that I was at university, so I attended um, Durham University uh, studying anthropology. And at that university, you've got a collegiate system. And most colleges, their first year students are catered for. So you go, you know, you pay however many thousand at the start of the year, and you can get three meals per day. When you're a second or third or fourth year, you don't get that anymore. So I was in college revising for my exams. At the end of lunch, I see this huge amount of food waste being thrown into the bin and this ignites a fire in me. And I know I have to to take action to, to solve the issue. Now this is where I'll tell you the truth. Most, all of that was true. The key thing was when I was a second year, I wanted some free lunch. So I went at the end of lunch, I saw all of this extra food, and I said, look, you know, can I have some of these chips that no one's eating them? And they said no, and in front of me, put it in the bin. So at that point, I was hungry and angry. So that's (laughs) when I thought, right, let let me take some action. So I went home that day, I drew on a little bit of cardboard I had, messaged all my friends, I said, guys, we need to protest. This is ridiculous. Um, there's an abundance of food. Students are hungry. It's a very expensive city to be in. And I said, come join me for a protest. So I rock up the next day with my placard and no one joins me. So I sit down and I think five days, six, seven days, I was protesting every lunch, um, getting some petitions, getting general support no one's no one sat with me but i had right. words of encouragement okay until until the kitchen manager finally agreed to to work with me to implement this initiative where okay. we, for the the final 10 minutes of the the meal uh second third or fourth years could come pay a charitable donation and get if get food if there was food left over right okay no it's a huge it's a huge thing and so you started to research it more and you got more involved with it, I should imagine, and understanding the bigger, wider impact of food waste. It's not just yeah. what we put in the bin, is it? I mean, it's a much bigger problem. It's a much bigger problem than the chips that they throw in the bin in front of you. Exactly, yes. To, 
back then when I thought I understood food waste, now being able to look back years later, and I'm sure in however many years I'll look back at myself now and think the same, you know, how naive. But having having worked in sustainability and um, being a food waste consultant, co-chairing a B Corporation food waste working group, I've come to understand a lot more how food waste occurs all across the supply chain and has I don't know if it's made me more optimistic or more pessimistic. I definitely fluctuate between them, um, but it's it's been an interesting journey to to get myself to being on this podcast. I guess. Can, can you just give us a little insight into why you might be pessimistic and sometimes why you might be optimistic? I'll start with the I'll start I'll start with the pessimism actually, because then I can end on the the more optimistic note. I think just seeing the numbers and understanding the drivers seeing the the slowness in policy and just i think stepping out and, and seeing how people interact with the world it's it's something that i think will take a, a huge amount of will and legislation and money to solve and when you've got a million other problems in the world it might slip through the gaps and we've seen that we've seen that with mandatory food waste reporting it just keeps getting pushed on and i think when you when you when you ask people do you care about food waste they say yes it's it's a it's a visceral feeling when you see food being thrown in the bin no one's happy with it but then when you look at how people live on a day-to-day basis that concern for food waste doesn't necessarily translate into action. Now, why am I optimistic? I'm optimistic because people are talking about it. It's become very trendy, I'd say, over the last five years. People are doing podcasts on it. Um, hey. founders, founders in this space are getting headlines. You've got Too Good To Go, you've got Olio, you've got Winnow. All of these businesses which are looking to tackle nuances of food waste are getting a lot more press. Um, I think AI is helping a lot and what is helping a lot sorry I missed that um, artificial intelligence is helping a lot right AI yes yeah yeah I I think you've got greater consumer buy-in but I'm Mm -hmm. hoping it's not a trend like deforestation like plastics it these things they get the the spotlight and then it all sort of tails off and a lot of the great work that was being done falls to the wayside and they change and pivot the, the focus. So I hope that doesn't happen with food waste. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that Awardaroo can be part of your optimistic picture because, you know, what we're about at Awardaroo is a, a part of it is education and really spreading the word. And it's about it is about mindset and it's very much about behaviours. And it's about identifying simple things that we can all do that I like form the domino where all the other dominoes fall over. So just, you know, so the, basically there, there are three. First one is litter. You know, if we all pick up litter, then we empower everybody else to pick up litter and that drives a community-based sort of view of things. And it's very powerful. It doesn't go into, doesn't become pollution. And the second one then is is food, food waste. But actually it's it's expressed as cooking from scratch. You know, because if we all cook from scratch, we solve so many problems. First of all, we solve the food waste problem, and that's all of the energy that goes into the food waste, not just what goes into the bin. 
Um, but also, you know, we take, take away all the packaging that goes with it, which is another huge mm. issue. Uh, and we also get rid of all of the ultra-processed food, processed and ultra-processed food, which is so damaging to everybody's health. We also create stronger families because it's nice to sit around a homemade meal, right? I mean, nobody ever says, thanks, Dad, for the chicken Kiev that they've just taken out of the box. You know, but they might say, thanks, Dad, for the chicken Kiev that you've just spent half an hour making. And, you know, you probably haven't done a very good job of it. So, you know, so it actually builds families as well. So, so it's definitely a big part of what we might say, you know, we want to do at a water route. What are the areas that we'd like to encourage at a water route? Now, what is this anthropological view of food waste? Could you give us a bit more of an insight on that? Please. I can. So I think I mentioned earlier that I studied anthropology at university. And mm -hmm. for those that yeah. don't know, in the headline, anthropology is the study of humans. Um, in particular, looking at the evolutionary aspect of that. And when I was studying this and doing my food waste work, it was very interesting to, to start to piece those together and help understand why humans have food waste because most most animals don't create food waste so i want you to imagine humans fifteen thousand years ago so the right. uh, agricultural revolution was about twelve thousand years ago so we're still hunter gatherers um we remember large geographic ranges because we're nomadic so we don't stay in one place for very long we're amazing at geography but because because we don't stay in one place we don't have a lot of stuff because it's a pain to trek stuff miles across the savannah. Then, all of a sudden, across the world, pretty simultaneously, we start to develop agriculture. And if you plant a crop, you need to stay there in order to care for it and harvest it. So we became a lot more sedentary. And because we were staying in one place, we could have more stuff. And over the course of the next 12,000 years to where we are today, we got more and more industrialised, we accrued more and more stuff, and it's a real mismatch with our brains. We're not used to that. So if I said to you, picture your route home from work or from your closest train station, I'm, I'm guaranteeing in your head you could visualise that route, or you know mm -hmm. an area well. But if I said to you, tell me how much food you have in your fridge at the moment or how many pieces of paper you have in your house you yeah. can't because we don't we can't comprehend that scale so when it comes to food waste we're very bad at one remembering how much food we've wasted so you say oh i don't waste a lot of food you know maybe a pizza crust here a banana there but when you put it all together it's actually a, a staggering amount of food but then also, when you're shopping and you think, oh, what, do, what do I have in the fridge? You know, some people are great at this, but most people just have no idea. <laughs> and in this, in this society we live in, where we have everything at our fingertips, we've got a bunch of stuff, it really impacts our ability to portion properly and eat the food we have and understand our impact. Okay, understood, understood. No, I can definitely relate to that. Um, yeah, still finding things at the back of the fridge. <laughs>
Yeah, so, you know, it is a it is a huge problem. What are we going to do about it, Matthew? This whole food waste recovery. I mean, where where are you at the moment with it? I mean, there are various, you know, is it about policy? Is it about regulation? There's obviously people's habits. Um, I do remember watching a video by Tristram Stewart, I think it was, and he said um, there's four times the amount we create, four times the amount of food globally that we actually need from because of all the food waste. Um, and there's twice the amount of food on, on the shelves in the supermarkets that we actually need as well. So you know, it is a massive problem. Then there's all the energy that goes into that, as well as all the, you know, the pigs and the livestock and all the rest of it that are obviously being reared that we don't, don't need to. So where are you on this journey at the moment then in terms of, you know, what can we do to address it? I think the key thing before looking to address it is to understand where it comes from and why it comes from. And okay. in the last couple of years, my view of food waste has shifted away from the household and the retailer, which is where a lot of focus is spent, um, a lot of blame is put, somewhat quite rightly. But if you look further down and you look at farm stage food waste and manufacturing and uh, production food waste, it's huge. And I, I want to start this by saying, don't blame the farmers. It's not the farmer's fault that there's food waste on farm. Um, but let, let's start with farm stage food waste and we'll, we'll work our way up. So you've got direct drivers of food waste. You've got biological and environmental factors, flood, drought, pests. You've got um, agronomy, um, animal husbandry and fishing practices. So disease, um, poor animal welfare, bycatch, um, poor handling and harvesting techniques and then you've also got technology and infrastructure inadequate storage uh, faulty machinery um, a poor connection to the marketplace so th these are some of the, the direct drivers these are somewhat easier to solve um, if you've got pests you know you can put a net above your crops if you've got outdated technology you can replace it. I'm not saying it's easy, but there are solutions to that. When it comes to the indirect drivers, um, so you've got citizens, let's let's take Halloween. Everyone wants pumpkins, and then all of a sudden, no one wants pumpkins. It causes a huge amount of food waste. Governments, depending on their policies, their subsidies, um, it can really impact what farmers grow and their ability to to get food that they grow onto plates you've got other supply chain actors um, and one of the one of the examples that really sits with me is we were looking at farm stage food waste and this farmer had this whole field of I think it was cabbages or no sorry it was cauliflowers they couldn't harvest because the cost of harvesting was more than the the price they would get from selling it right because right. there was a huge influx and, and retailers were spoiled um, so there's there's the direct drivers and the indirect drivers i'd say to recover food here um, there needs to be local partnerships with uh, food banks and charities um, smaller supply chains so you've got these odd box for example where they take the wonky vegetables that might not pass the aesthetics sell those to customers 
Um, you need more labour. That was a real issue uh, resulting from Brexit that we just didn't have the, the people to, to help harvest. Um, and just supporting farmers with subsidies uh, to help them you know, move food away. And um, I think it's fair share have now got this fund where if a farmer's grown food that's perfectly edible, but it's not profitable to grow, they'll pay the farmer to harvest that food and donate it to charity. Right, right. Um, we can then move on to manufacturing waste, where a lot of the waste in this stage is attributed to damaged food. So if food doesn't look nice, most of the time it won't end up on the shelf, even if it's perfectly edible. That's a very much an education part of it, isn't it? And I think we, we, we can get we can educate people, I think, about you know how ridiculous this is. Um, and people mm. I'm sure then would, would not you know, would not would not associate the look of it with necessarily how healthy it is. It's still exactly still a potato, right? Even if it looks looks a bit weird. Exactly. And there's there's opportunities that a lot of retailers and producers are doing where let's say there is ugly veg. You know, the, the wording varies, wonky, ugly, imperfect. Yeah. But they can take that and then use that in their ready meals, for example, which I know you probably won't advocate for because it's processed and, and whatnot. Yeah. But it's a way to valorise that food waste. Yeah. Okay. And it's, it's, it's a huge cause of food waste. You've also got lack of buyers, uh, kind of what I alluded to earlier, where you might have a bunch of peanuts but if no one wants the peanuts you can't eat all of them so it, it will have to go to waste so there's miscommunication in the supply chain as well um, and then if we move on to retail food waste there's a few key things and there's one that I've uh, coined myself so I'll, I'll start with the the indirect drivers which is seasonal products like we mentioned earlier Easter eggs um, you've got your pumpkins, Brussels sprouts, all of these stuff. But turkey has a huge uh, demand for a few weeks at a time, and then doesn't. So after after Halloween, no one buys pumpkins. So all of those that don't get sold get wasted. Mm -hmm. You've got people's shopping habits, where they buy the same thing. I, I saw this interesting statistic um, from from a talk I went to where. The average shopper looks at seven words in the supermarket because they're so ingrained just to, yep, yeah, hummus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's habits, isn't it? Yes. Exactly. And then another indirect driver, which I'd like to think I've come up with, I haven't seen it uh, called, described like this before, is this myth of abundance where you go into a supermarket and the the shelves are always stocked. You know, if they're not shot, stocked, you get societal panic. Remember, think back to COVID or last year when we had empty shelves. Made headlines, you know. We either we don't have enough food, which is scary, or we've got just enough food, but actually we've got some empty shelves. And because retailers don't want empty shelves, they always have food there. They have way more food than anyone could possibly buy. So this inevitably causes food waste. Okay, so there's a lot that gets returned we probably don't see. Yeah, yeah. And then the 
the accountability of that returned food waste from the retailer goes back to the producers or to the farmers and they have to to front the cost of that right Um, other drivers in the retail space you've got date labels um so best before which is now being pushed away from from the eu and other countries uh news by uh damaged packaging could mean that the food gets thrown away even if the food's fine yeah Um, you might have faulty fridges you know i'm sure you've walked into a supermarket seen a fridge broken and all the food gets thrown away and you say to them can i buy that you know i've just seen the fridge break surely it's fine but they're not allowed to because of uh, health and safety concerns so i'd say those are the main right retail causes okay it's a complicated process isn't it something it's a complicated process which um we and we need to find we need to find um actions that people can take when they go shopping to help address this so i think if we can all see it as two two halves you know one is before it gets to the plate and the other one is after it's on the plate you know so once it's on the plate you know we need to kind of eat it obviously mm-hmm. uh, but before it goes on the plate thinking about how it got there and you know did it actually ever need to arrive there in that way so um i mean have you got any hints and tips for people any advice for people as to i mean obviously you know eat our plate eat our peas finish our plate don't put it in the bin mm. I think the most power that people have is in the home and we're okay. we're going to be talking to people and there's a few easy things people can do whilst listening to this to reduce their food waste. But the first thing, check your fridge and freezer. Are they set to the correct temperature? Your freezer should be zero, zero degrees and your fridge should be between like one to four degrees, one to three degrees. If you do that, your food will last so much longer. Um, right. Not only is beneficial for the planet, it's beneficial for your bank account because you're not throwing your money into the bin. Right. Um, then I think another thing that resonates with people is a thought experiment, where if you think about think about your food, how did it get there? So you've got the farm farmer goes they have the seeds they have the fertilizer they have all of these inputs they've got the space the water the the time they grow this food they've got the machinery the fuel to to make all of this happen then gets harvested transported processed again all of these inputs are going in packaged stored transported again put in a retail shelf all of this energy put in your car driven home put in your fridge if you think about how much has gone in to getting that onion into your fridge, I think that helps people place more value on their food. Because then it's not just the 17p for the banana, which if you think about all of those inputs, it's crazy how you can get a banana for 17p. But it's not just the money, it's all of that energy and all of those things that have gone yeah, into Yeah, that's right. No, absolutely. And all the, as I say, the packaging that goes with it. I think we have to remember it creates a lot of packaging. Yeah, and, and something that I know you'll be a big advocate for is cooking and understanding how ingredients work and being creative and utilising all of the food. So something I only started doing a couple of years ago, I, I eat cauliflower, chop the head off the cauliflower, throw the leaves in the bin. 
I thought to myself one day, let me try and cook these leaves. And I'll tell you what, put some oil and salt on, stick them in the oven, it's delicious. And it's just yeah. one way of utilising the food. You know, freeze your vegetable scraps and make a vegetable vegetable broth. There's all of these things you can do to minimise the inedible food waste. But also when you're creative and cook your food, it's easier to portion. You can use up a range of vegetables, you can eat locally, um, and you've got a lot more control over your food. I'll, I'll give you an anecdote which ties all of this together quite nicely. Um, so during the pandemic, my mum and I were thinking, what can, what can we do to help? Um, we both like cooking. We were aware of a new food bank that was set up. So we go over, we're volunteering, and I'm seeing this huge amount of fruit and vegetables and ingredients being donated. And we were speaking to the, the volunteers, and they were saying that people just don't know what to do with this. You know, if, if someone gave me a celeriac, I'd be lost. Lucky my mum knows what to do, but if I got given that in a parcel, I wouldn't be able to yeah. cook it. So you, it would, it was salvaged food from a uh, supermarket, but then it would just go in the bin later on. So what we did was we got all of the vegetables, we, we went and perused, thought of some recipe ideas, so took the vegetables from the food bank, cooked however many we could meals, and whether that was a dessert, a soup, a, a curry or, or whatnot, and then went and donated those to the, the food bank users. And the yeah. feedback we got, they said, firstly, it was really nice that people had taken the time to do this. But yep. also, it was yummy. It was so nice. Yeah. And then what yeah. we also put the, the recipes in as well, so they could try and do that themselves. Right. If we cook from scratch, we solve a lot of these food waste problems. Mm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I'm, you know, there's so many recipes online now, isn't there? You know, the local council does want us to take our organic waste now, don't they? And put it into these separate little, you know, separate little black boxes for them mm. to take it off separately. What, yeah. what is the driver behind that then? Why don't they just want us to throw it in the bin with everything else? So they'll say environmental reasons. And that is a key part of it. If the food goes into the general waste, most of the time in England, that will then be burnt uh, for this process called energy from waste. We don't have many landfills here. Other countries do have landfills. So right. they'll say environmental reasons. One of the key reasons is the money. Because general waste costs a lot. The disposal cost is high. When you separate your food waste and other organic matter, you've got the opportunity to send it one or two ways. One of two ways, sorry. Uh, you can either send it to composting, which not a lot of the country has access to, and something we can cover another time, which is why compostable packaging isn't the silver bullet that it's made out to be. Uh, but if it doesn't go to composting, it goes to an anaerobic digestion plant where it breaks right. down and releases methane, but this methane yep. is captured and converted into energy. So that way you can then create income and usefulness and valorise right. food waste rather than just sending it to landfill or to energy from waste. Okay, got it. So it's, it's, uh, it's better for the, the actual packaging and the processing of that packaging, and it's also better for the food as well that we're disposing of. It's sort of... Okay, understood. Yeah. Matthew, it's been real, a real pleasure having you on this podcast. 
and giving us your insights into food waste and uh, food waste recovery. It's been great chatting with you yeah. and, and talking about a subject that I'm, I'm so passionate about and, and find so interesting. So thank you.